welcome to the first ever Ricky's Rants. I was just about to say Ricky's Reviews, they're out of old habit. But anyways, so this is also part of the new uh, format, I suppose you could say. Me standing here in front of this, and you're going to see a little bit more of that um, as we hit the next segment of the show. And I'm calling it the Ricky Rant Show. I am your host, Ricky the Undertaker, just like before. And um, quite frankly, I've been thinking a little bit about how to kick this off. I mean, we have a lot of things to, to go through in this first episode. And for all of you people who are watching on the YouTube, seeing me, uh, not only listening to me, you will also notice that uh, you can uh, put in each individual segment so you can check the part that you want or when you have time you can continue from where you left off you can check them again and so on um, there's gonna be rants already in this episode of course and uh, in the future episodes there's gonna be summaries of uh, what I'm playing mostly summaries about things that I think is good to take up um, a little bit of like a review um, summary going on like a, a roundup if you may um, might not be uh, grading it but uh, I'm, I'm gonna be a little bit of the same segment but quicker and more compact than before with that but there's gonna be so much more coming up in the, sh in the show format uh, like I hinted in my trailers with the uh, memory segments and the rants that are coming up and so on so I hope that you will follow in on that and um, uh, probably also help me develop the format as it continues which is where I'm taking off with this intro for the first episode actually. So with that said, I just wanted to talk a little bit about why it's been taking me four years to create this. Um, four years ago, when I was doing my review show, I did it mostly because um, practice, practice talking, practice um, editing, analytical thinking, I was doing an education regarding games. Um, I'm done with that now, so <laughs> but I feel like I had a part of that that, that was kind of breaking uh, itself, uh, you know, like it's, it's, it had a stop, a breaking point. It uh, took me to a, a place where I was thinking that I need to do something more or different with it. So with all that said, um, it didn't get a natural end. And that's where the trailer kind of comes in. I wanted to at least say that it's going to move over to the new format, so uh, Ricky's Reuse will live on in the Ricky's Rant show. But four years ago, I unfortunately ran out of time, ran out of money, I ran out of ideas. So I basically decided to cut it short. Uh, the stream went down and the review show went down. I mean, it wasn't a big thing, uh, but for me it was very fun to do it, and so I always thought about coming back. <laughs> Which is uh, kind of where this takes off. Um, I was hoping many times to go back. I also had some people talking to me, especially people from the stream talking to me like, will you stream again? Um, I wanted to, um, but I didn't really find the time. So when I first uh, ended up doing other things four years ago, uh, I actually moved back home and I had to do uh, work like everybody else. I was done studying. I didn't have the same amount of time and I couldn't combine the studying with the show So I ended up doing uh, something completely different actually, which I enjoyed a lot, but it took a lot of time for me to learn um, With all of that said it was worth it and uh, You had to reset and restart somewhere if, especially when you're out of money and out of ideas. So <laughs> that's what happened there. I um, became uh, 
employment agent for the state. So I worked with that for four months, but I couldn't continue in that area in my home county. So I decided to keep looking for new jobs and also the state employment jobs, which is eventually where I ended up. Uh, during this time, I had ideas of coming back, but uh, there was nothing new fresh coming in. So basically, I put it on hold so long and I used the time instead to develop things that I like to do. And, uh, and I did play a lot of games at that time. and I did have a lot of fun, met a lot of people as well. Um, so that, that was pretty cool. Uh, but a year later, I ended up in a town called Uxelösund, uh, right out of Nyköping, an hour south of Stockholm. So I became a state employment agent again. A lot of time took for me to like settle, to move in, meet new people and get good at the job. And um, basically everything there took more time than I expected. But I had a show in, my, in the back of my head. Uh, about a year into this, or we're saying two years from now, I decided to crack some ideas and I had an idea of a podcast. Um, I already had an idea of a podcast to try and make Ricky's reviews go faster to go through. To review more video games that I play. However, um, ended up not really successful. I really didn't like what I was doing, so I scrapped the ideas, and I also had so many other things that I wanted to put my focus into. But um, the sole idea was to create something that I would think is good, good enough for me to want to come back to all of this. And um, it took a lot of time. Um, <laughs> and. I think that reviews are a part of me, like I want to talk about games, I want to say which ones I think are good and which ones are not, or if they are good for a certain audience, a lot of things like that, but I also don't want to overshadow the other parts. I, I had a lot of fun doing some like trouble with technology, I had a, a video about Kinect, um, I liked unboxing some stuff, so I thought about like, can I do a lot of different things around the gaming concept, entertainment in general, all of the things that I enjoy? Um, can I do it as a podcast or what is it going to be? So the vlog and the podcast format stuck with me in my head until I finally did some prototypes. Uh, I had a, um, a girlfriend and some old friends that checked it out when I actually did produce it. And they also pushed me to make uh, more content. And about a year ago, um, I made... The the first plans <clears throat> sorry uh, and those first plans actually got me to uh, create a rant to begin with and also another part of a segment but it was a lot of reviews I wasn't so happy with what happened um, parts of it will be in this first episode though the, the parts that I did like um, I did not get the answers I wanted from the people when I got the feedback but I did show a little bit of what I was gonna do however uh, I ended up revising everything, pushing it onward and on, um, when I eventually decided to scrap it all. About, um, what is it now, eight months ago or so, I had to stop working at New Shopping. Uh, a lot of time took, um, um, it took a lot of time for me to get back into what I needed to do at that time. I had to reset everything. Um, and the show had to be on a like postpone, I suppose you could say. So I looked for jobs again. I have moved yet again. So I've done a double move now within this um, four-year period where I last did my show. And so I ended up back in uh, or around the town where I studied in Hövde, where I actually had the show. So it felt kind of good in a way to kick off this show now again when I'm actually here where it all started. Um, <laughs> so it's full circle there. Um, the vlog and the podcast format 
will make it possible for me while I'm actually working to do this in a, in a good way. So I'm hoping that this format will um, help me produce material quicker, help me do the thing that I like the most with all of the segments that I've been planning, and that you then will enjoy it just as much, even if it's not as visual, it's not as high of a production as it intended to be a couple of years ago when it first started. Um, the trailer is the only like <laughs> produced thing, I suppose, but it, we also scrapped a lot of ideas for that one, just solely based on the fact that it takes a little bit too much time. And that's where I will come uh, from with this. The pod vlog that I have for Ricky's Rants show takes place on four years of working, but I'm not expecting that four years of constant development is going to show in, in the production that I'm doing. Um, you should not expect that. However, I am hoping that this is the best that I could produce, um, procure <laughs> within that um, concept that I had from the first idea that was shaped when I stopped doing the Ricky's Review show. Um, so with that said, I hope that gives you a bit of a perspective. Now the intro in the future will of course be a completely different thing that I'm doing right now, but I felt like this was a perfect opportunity for me to address these things. So I'm here, four years later, 2020, and I'm going to give you the Ricky's Rant show uh, starting today with the topics that I've chosen and it will develop together with the viewers uh, and listeners out there. Uh, on the subject of that, maybe you would like to know a little bit about what's going to be happening. And what the main theme is games. That is always going to be the case. Um, that is what I like to do my shows about. But however, I don't want it to just be a stale review show. I also don't want it to just be something completely different. I want it to have a bit of the passion that I put into the game review shows together with the new format. And so that, that's what it's all about. And I hope that you will enjoy this first episode. So without further ado, let's kick it off. So there we have it. We are up and running and uh, hope you enjoyed that little slideshow of all those things that uh, is currently residing on this little shelf right here. We are going to talk about the subject that I already put a little bit up on the Twitter and Instagram account. Um, for the ones who were checking out and subscribing there, you know that Controllers is up for the first rant. And, uh, oh boy, I have a lot of things to say, but I'm going to take you a little bit backwards in time here to talk about Controllers. Um, they are, of course, the thing that you interact with. So, <laughs> what to say? The very least if you use a computer and work with a computer you are interacting with that when you're interacting um, you're basically having a tool something for you to put an input into a certain device the most important thing for games to work properly is that you can act on the game basically that the control uh, of certain events are in your hands so that's why we have the controllers they're very important uh, for uh, for computers and computer gaming, for instance, we were using mouse and keyboards. And back in the very early days, we had the control sticks on the Amigas and the Atari knobs, uh, etc. The first home console, however, that revolutionized things when it came to the more popular device that we are calling the controller today, is, of course, the D-pad in the Nintendo Entertainment System, which, again, popularized the whole thing. Um, 
great controller. Two buttons, a D-pad, start, select. Not not much more than that, and then had a nice color pattern, if you ask me. Um, the retro style to, is still to this day used um, when designing, you know, retro-inspired mini computers and other things. So with that said, we've taken a big leap in the, in that area. Controllers ha are far 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 more advanced now. Um, we need more input. The, the more input <laughs> as we are continuing to develop the video gaming systems and all the uh, entertainment that we are you know interacting with we need controllers to do the same uh, we've dabbled in motion controls with the Nintendo Wii for instance we've been there with the Kinect from Microsoft where your body is actually the thing um, arcades already had a lot of experiments like light guns and dance mats you name it I'm even sitting here um, hopefully you can hear me properly, but with this little wheelie here, uh, which is also another way of controlling your game. If you want to really drive a car when you're playing a car game, wheel is the way to go. Um, and that's just a fact. But of course not everyone has the, the, the money to spend on it or the will to spend the money on it. So the first rant that I'm taking you to is my experience with the Nintendo Switch. I thoroughly enjoyed the Nintendo Switch, but it is a hassle getting a good controller for the Nintendo Switch. Even more so than most other systems, but I will say that most systems do have a lot of controller options. Not for the best always. Options means, of course, versatility means that it can cater more to your needs. Uh, but it does make it more expensive when you don't find the correct one and you keep buying them or if you have to buy expensive versions just because that's the only way that you can play. Uh, we've also started seeing, I mean, options to either have a terrible controller for a system or pay up the money so that you can actually play it the way it was intended to play. I'm not going to name uh, specifics here, um, but I have a couple in memory. But we have so much to talk about when it comes to the Nintendo Switch controller scheme um, that I think we will kick back and enjoy the rant that I'm going to do with that. So, with that little history lesson, let me pick up a, a system controller. What you get when you get your Nintendo Switch, of course, is the, 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 the pad, the touchscreen with the attached controllers and a uh, little plastic that you can attach them to. Looks a little bit like this. This is the plastic. This is an absolutely fine controller option, putting it like this. Uh, when they first revealed it, it kind of looked like dog ears. Um, <laughs> I do see it, uh, but in the neon colored red and blue. It is a fine option. I do feel like this actually is playable, but not much more so. Uh, considering the price of the Nintendo Switch and everything, this is fine. It holds all the features you need with the rumble and the motion controls. It's detachable, easily detachable, so you can hold it in one hand. You can use it just like you did with your Nintendo Switch, like this. But the main problem and issue I have is, of course, um, that your full gaming needs. If you just want something for you, sitting down with a nice big controller on your television screen just like you do with your Xbox or your PlayStation, you would of course want something different than just constantly having this. It's a perfect option for you to pack with the console to get a lot for, you know, the, those monies that you put out the first time. However, 
they also have a very nice feature that you can tilt them like this to play more retro style games like the Nintendo that I talked about and as you can see then you have the knobs here to control the movements and the four buttons on let me see there that I'm holding here on each of the two controllers and these four buttons are very clicky and nice they also have these shoulder buttons here as you can see whoop, 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 whoop. for the people who are not on the Spotify version of course we are talking about the included small neon colored controllers or black uh, or red fully in the Odyssey version or yeah, well, there's a lot of Joy-Con colors out there um, so basically I wanted something different something more and I do feel like most people who have a Switch at some point want to upgrade from these. It's just a fact. So, oh boy, it is a science project to go here. And it really frustrates me that I am sitting here, and this isn't all of them, but I am sitting here excluding the Joy-Con controllers with four different controllers. And I think I have about three more or so and two others on top of that that can be used for the switch now this is of course crazy you don't need all of this but i use them for other purposes too and my favorite switch controller is not necessarily a switch controller we'll come to that soon but anyways the most natural thing that you can do is of course to get the official pro controller looks a little bit like this very similar looking to the average xbox controller from Microsoft. It has the same type of shapes, all the same types of buttons, the layout is the same, and it does work for the purpose. It includes everything that you would want. It has a nice little surface here to get a good grip. It vibrates with the, the rumble features. It has motion controls so for all the games that needs that, like Zelda Breath of the Wild. And it does, of course, have the support, uh, full support of Nintendo when it comes to this one. So it's a good purchase. But it's a 70 buck controller, or around 650 crowns, I think. I got mine used for 500. However, as much as I would recommend that, um, it's a little bit much for a controller, if you ask me. And do you all really need all of these features is the good question. The fact that, do you even understand that you would need all of the features or not? Uh, is a big problem for me when it comes to controllers and it's again not unique for the Nintendo Switch but it's even worse with the Switch so this was not the first one I got no you see I wanted to save a coin or two so I got a third party party one called Game Devil for 35 bucks now naturally the Game Devil had worse buttons it did not feel as good as I wanted it to do but and I think I do have it uh, yeah, on the wrong side, of course. There, as you can see, two other controllers. The Hori pad, which is a, a, a wired one. But the Game Devil controller is right over there. Um, not used anymore, but it's, it's good. It does have wireless. You can actually boot up your system using that one. I'll come back to that later. And it does vibrate even better, in my opinion, than this one. So in many aspects, it's pretty good. Slimmer controller, so it's working better for a different type of hand. So, you know, that's something to consider. It has a rubbery surface, which may or may not be good for you. And another big problem with this one, though, is that the motion controls are terrible. I also don't think the battery life works that well. And just in general, I feel like you get what you pay for. 
it's a perfectly fine option if you need a pro controller substitute as a second player. Basically, if you have kids, it's also a very good option. Um, and it does feature the main parts of it, so I, I suppose it was a decent purchase. But I, of course, was not happy. I did not want to change my controller just because I played a certain game, right? Uh, on top of that, I, of course, also have my partner. So um, <laughs> we want to play games together, two-player games. One person might not even want to use these. So on top of having the Game Devil controller, then, or in, in the case of a Pro controller, we would like another one. So I got, and this one is pretty, the Yoshi Wired Controller from Power A, and we're gonna get back to Power A very soon. This one feels great. For big thumbsticks like this is very great for me, and I do think that even if this one is a little bit squishy, the D-pad here is excellent. Problem is, it's wired, and stripped off a lot of functionality around the controller. If you just need to play the games comfortably with a long-ass wire that comes with it, this is a good option, and of course I like this one to have as an extra. If I run out of batteries or whatever, plug this in, it works perfectly fine. However, same problem as with the Game Devil, right? It does not feature motion controls. It does not feature rumbles. So, playing Super Mario Odyssey or Breath of the Wild is kind of a pain in the ass with this one. But there's a lot of gaming you can do with it. So my hunt went on. Of course, I, I'm not regretting having an extra one, so that's not a big issue together with my Joy-Cons. And after I had failed with the with, with that one, that's when I got the Pro Controller. And I did enjoy my Pro Controller. I felt like, oh, this is great. But it, it felt a little bit off. And, of course, the one who had the Pro Controller had a little bit of an edge, in my opinion. Not against maybe the Game Devil one, but we both of us who were playing in my household did not fancy the game devil at that time so i went on looking for a special one so power a launched a cheaper version still pretty expensive this one in sweden lands for approximately 550 crowns which of course comes with a couple of features that some people may or may not like it does have motion controls that work fine it does have rumble that is really really good and it does have a button layout that is similar with the Pro Controller, and this version also has the link symbols, I don't know how well it can be seen here, but there's a link there with the green um, and the golden D-pad, which sadly is not the same style D-pad, it's different, but some people like it a bit more, me personally I don't, don't really fancy, it's a bit too clicky, and the buttons are more clickier on this one, but I like it on these buttons, not on the D-pad. Also, why did they make these so big and these analog sticks so small like it's the same company right it's just an upgraded wireless version uh, like i said science project but my my girlfriend likes this one a lot this is her go-to controller it has one big negative side it packs batteries none of the other ones does that that i've shown you so far of course not the cabled one but it packs batteries, and sure, I guess. If this one runs out of juice, you can always pick up the other Power A controller with the cable, right? So, sure. So we had two controllers at this point. A $70 one and a, say, $55, $60 one then. It's still pretty hefty in price, um, and this one is stripped of certain features. 
most of the important ones are here, so you are good to go buying only this one. But if you're already gunning up to those price points, maybe get a used one for the same money from Nintendo, or even get a new one. We're talking 15 bucks, right? But it's a lot of money. Uh, if you're gonna need two, or if you even want to play party with four people, you might want to consider cutting down on the cost of these ones. So, naturally, my favorite controller came yet a year later. I've been waiting a long time for this one. This is the 8-bit Duo, and I'm a big fan of them. I guess you could see over here, I have the... There I have the Yoshi and the, uh, this particular SN30+. Plus. But on top of there, way up there, there's the 8-bit Duo regular SN30s. Um, those I use for my... Um, Raspberry Pi setup. They're perfect replicas, in my opinion, of the Super Nintendo controller with four buttons and the top buttons wirelessly. But this one is way more comfortable with the extra added grip on here. It's not battery induced. It has its own little battery pack. It can be charged the same way as every other controller with the USB-C. It syncs perfectly, it feels perfect, it has the Game Boy D-pad, which is amazing. This controller packs everything I want, wirelessly, you know, you get everything you want here. And it's approximately 45-50 bucks. It's a bit hard to get by in Sweden, but there are sales on 8-bit-2s all the time, and as they age, they also sale out more, and um, they keep producing more and more updated versions of controllers for all kinds of systems can be used for a lot of things more than the switch so it's not a switch controller and that's where the biggest issue comes with this one it made me really furious when i realized you can't wake up your switch with this one a wireless controller where you sit down in your couch far away from your tv just like this you press the button right <laughs> and then you're stuck in your couch, you don't want to get up, but you see these little blinking lights here, your switch doesn't wake up. You have to go and physically press the power button on your switch, or have this little chunk laying next to you so you can power up your switch, and then sync this one up with your switch. And that happens with some of the other controllers as well, let me tell you that. And this is the reason why, of course, I would like you to buy this one, because it has the full support of Nintendo. They have all the features, everything you need in one go. Which is also making me <sighs> doubt the, all of this controller bullshit that's going on here. So much money has been put into it because I'm finding more and more things that I technically would like. But the issue is that there's always a feature here or there missing. Do I know if I want this feature or not when I buy it? It's very hard to know so. There's so freaking many options. Oh boy. I mean, just take a look at this. It's... There's controllers everywhere, right? And that's that's what I wanted to tell you about. It all adds up to the fact that I think technology's options today just is crazy, uh, outrageously many, right? So I'm going to connect back to this a little bit with the next rant that we're having in the show's episode as well, because technology... Here's the thing. No, it wasn't better before. It was a perfectly fine controller, the Nintendo 8-bit one, but it was corded. It didn't have, like, wireless like this, so I'm, I'm, like, of course, being a little bit spoiled here, saying, like, oh, wow, I can't wake up the system with this one, I have to go and press the button, right? Or the fact that these are perfectly fine to play with, but I still wanted something different. I wanted my couch experience, right? But here's the thing. 
we are developing systems right and I'm paying money for it, I would at least want to know a little bit about what I'm getting. And even if I... Look, I am pretty good at this whole uh, system knowledge, right? I'm pretty good at video games. I'm, I know a lot about video games and, and video gaming hardware. I'm not an expert. Definitely not an expert. But I know a lot of stuff. I know so much more than maybe the parent to, who wants to buy uh, extra controllers for their two kids. Or... Uh, the gaming group of friends who are studying at college who want to have a four-controller setup for their parties, right? Maybe. There might be a nerd like me in there as well, but of course. Uh, what I'm saying is, if I don't understand exactly what I'm getting, even when I'm reading a lot about them, and I don't come out on top of this without spending... I mean, we're talking $70, we're talking $60, we're talking another $50, right? We're up in a couple of hundred dollars in controllers only. I can, of course, get rid of a lot of these, and many of them are perfectly fine. And like I said, for uh, a different audience, um, you could get away with a lot of the controllers being completely useful for their needs. With that said, I would have been able to, of course, save more money than what I did. But I was on the hunt to find the perfect controller for my needs and the perfect setup for me. I do have it now. I mean, I have so many options and I had fun testing them out. But I don't really feel like this is how it should be. And of course, again, you could have always just buy this one. But already paying 80 at the launch and $70 now is a very big overprice for... A controller that ju it just does it, you know, that's all. And you might need multiples. Let's say that you have two kids and they both want a good controller. You're up 140 bucks. That's half the price of the system just to get the controllers right. And I, th the thing is, I'm expecting a little bit more when we're developing our system. I'm hoping that the companies are trying to at least incorporate some kind of sense into making this an easy choice. I, I'm, I'm expecting technology to make things easier for me, not more difficult. The fact that I'm rather putting up with this controller, right? i rather take this than the official controller is just a testament that something is a little bit wrong. And of course, every controller company who makes accessories are wanting to earn money so they're all going to try and make their own controllers and then I, I suppose that competition also furthers the advancements when it comes to them so i'm not completely against it it's just very very frustrating the controller issue and this is my experience with the nintendo switch i'd say complete disaster and bullshit but uh, at least there is good controllers there are systems that just didn't even have them. Um, there are modern examples of it too. Um, we were talking the, the Nintendo here, but um, Ouya, the Android system, came with a controller that's almost broken out of its you know original state. I have two of those controllers laying around somewhere, and I don't ever want to touch them again. Um, you, of course, have the example when this first Sony playstation came out and they didn't have any analog sticks but they had 3d games so naturally they made a dual shock which is basically how the the playstation controllers look nowadays they 
are copying their own same design, but there are so many third-party ones, and almost every console developer makes a Pro Controller each generation, and I'm always wondering why I should get a $100 controller when I have a $50 controller packed with the system. Um, I'm even wondering why I have to buy two $50 controllers if I want to play multiplayer with my friend. But either way, that's it for the controller issues. We're going to move onwards in the show, and I... I think we're off to a heavy start here. <laughs> I'm not going to get too angry or upset in the first episode alone. Um, and I hope that you at least learned a little bit about the controllers for the Nintendo Switch system. Be wary before you buy. And if you have any questions about video game controllers, then hit me up with a message, right? I'll help you out. So let's move onwards. Right, so for this next segment, we are moving on to something I'd like to call the summary. Now, the summary is going to be a little bit different from um, time to time, but specifically this first time it's going to be uh, very different, because it's a bit of a look back at what, what happened since last episode, right? And the idea of having something about that when this is the first episode is a little bit of a difficult situation. So, um, I've already summarized the last four years, and I think that given those um, four years, I would have a pretty big summary to do. So I decided, of course, to skip the historical part of it and don't give the recommendations for all of the games throughout that time and um, talk in detail about specific games and so on. Instead, and this is the most game-heavy part of each uh, episode, specific game analysis and review, um, so, with that said, we are going to also have what's currently going on. So, the, the, the focus is going to be like the current situation right now. What am I playing? What's going on um, in, in my life? The, the vlog aspect, of course. Then, we are also looking at from last time. Have I maybe finished them or am I still playing them? And if I have finished a game, what did I think? A little bit of analysis from it and so on. And in certain cases, there might be deeper yet analysis of a game and then they're of course not in the summary. Um, that's how I think about that at least. Um, but we do have a current ongoing of course, because right now I'm on my three week vacation at the time of uh, filming this, uh, the end of my vacation. Uh, I'm trying to wrap up a lot of things. So basically I've been playing a lot of games. And in the next segment we are also going to take a look at one specific game a little bit closer, or rather in a very specific way. Uh, I am currently playing The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. And I'm pretty much done with it. <laughs> There's a lot of things to say about Zelda Breath of the Wild. I think that I'm going to postpone that one slightly further, um, but just generally not the type of style of game that I personally enjoy, but I will have a lot to say about that. And uh, I think we are going to take a bit of a closer look on Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild in a comparison video when we're looking at the Switch in a wider scope. So that's coming up. I'm also playing a lot of Game Pass games. I'm going to update you guys about uh, quite a lot of those games as well. Um, I'm running Rage 2, State of Decay 2, a little bit of follow-ups there. 
We have some indie games that I've been currently looking into, like Blazing Chrome. Um, all of which I think are okay titles that um, might come in the second uh, um, bin if we have enough time um, for the next episode. Um, the most notable one, I suppose, um, of all the games that I've been playing recently that I think is worth uh, talking a little bit extra about is um, the game Night Call, because Night Call I might, may have to take a rain check on. It's basically a game that um, puts you in a position where you follow a lot of dialogue, right? Um, you are investigating your own assault as a taxi driver in Paris. These kinds of games um, was popularized with Papers, Please, um, a black and white style, detective style type of game where you use easy commands and read a lot of text to get a story, to get your um, character arc go through from the game. And so when I'm looking into uh, a game such as this, I always think about the, the era of Papers, Please, and there's been so many of those games developed. And Night Call is just very close to being a completely unique game, but kind of feels like a prototype or a beta of a title that was about to become really, really good. It heavily features a lot of things that I would like in a game, but it feels like it's just not there. That's where I am with the Night Call game. Uh, I did mention Blazing Chrome. I'm not going to review Blazing Chrome, but I'm going to say if you haven't checked out that and you liked games such as Contra back in the day, do check out Blazing Chrome because um, it's <laughs> it's perfection of that type of style of gaming. Challenging, it is really, really well made, um, and it's really kick-ass with a kick-ass soundtrack. I mean, everything you would like to have in such a game is present in such a game. So, uh, Blazing Chrome gets a couple of thumbs up from me. Now, in this uh, format, normally on the on the ones I'm ongoing, I'm just speaking a little bit about the notable games and such things that I'm playing. Uh, in the summary of the games that has been played, that's where I put a bit of a deeper analysis. I'm going also to tell you guys a little bit about um, do I recommend it? Do I like it? And also who I recommend it for. Is it a bad, good, or in-between kind of a game? And in which situations are they what? Um, so, for instance, I'm taking the opportunity now to exemplify this <coughs> by using a specific game. So, <laughs> bear with me now. We are going to look at Heavy Rain. And that's because maybe in the next episode we're going to look at the whole series of games from the developer, uh, Quantic Dreams, who have been making these types of games for a little while, uh, heavily story-branched narrative games, and Heavy Rain, uh, I'm not going to do the full review, but if I would summarize it, it's a spectacular game in the way that it revolutionized something when it came out, and still to this day I think there's so much things that are interesting to you know, read into when it comes to what it affected the upcoming games, but not only the ones that Quantic did, but just in general. Um, and, and now that we're seeing experiments such as the Black Mirror episode where we interact with the actual episode, um, interacting with a very deep narrative and having these high production values uh, is something that I find very interesting. I think that most people 
are looking for story-based games in various forms. So, Quantic Dreams, uh, Heavy Rain kind of games, uh, as I would like to call them, was kind of, you know, booted up there to the height of public uh, opinion and, and views by Heavy Rain. And that's why it's an interesting piece of gaming. So basically, I think it's above mediocre. I do recommend checking it out just generally. If you're just a general gamer that likes to try out games, it's not that expensive to get hold of. So do yourself a favor to look at it. And there's also a little bit of like trailers, but don't spoil it because that's half the fun, you know, to like figure out the different parts of the game. If you don't like story-based games at all, just skip it. That, that's that's just how it is. And if you're a fan of story-based games, it's a must-have because it's taking it, you know, forward. Um, Heavy Rain is a must-play in my opinion. So for me, being a story-based gamer, it's a must-play, but not a favorite of mine. It's just one of those that I highly recommend and remember, um, but a little bit of a over-mediocre kind of game. At the time when I first played it way back, it hasn't aged as well, I must say that. But at that time, I would consider it a good game. Like, and I, I did get it. I bought Heavy Rain for the PlayStation 3 when it came out. And they've experimented and dabbled a lot with it, so there's a lot to, you know, <laughs> increase into that. So, um, if you want to play with move controllers, or if you want to pr uh, play the upgraded version on the PlayStation, there's that opportunity now, so I would definitely do that. So, with using Heavy Rain as an example, in this segment, I think you now uh, have a grasp of what the summary will be all about. So, without further ado, we are going to move onwards. But I hope that the next time this is going to be the meatiest part of the video where we are going to talk a lot about video games, where you guys will also get to uh, listen in a lot about you know what I find interesting. And if you think that this specific episode had a little bit of parts here and there, that's, that's the point, because I want to showcase most of different types of themes that are going to be put up in the episode. Um, and I do want to tell you that yes, there will be analysis of games, there will be game talk, even though this episode has a little bit less of it than normally, just for the fact of it being the first one. So hang in there. Anyways, let's keep it rolling. Okay, I'm taking you onto something of a subject that is completely new for the Rickish Review Show. So bear with me now. Um, I'm calling this segment Confessions, right? I am going to confess something that might be very um, curious to you. So I'm going to actually go, go and show you here, behind me. Uh, I am a big Nintendo fan, especially the Nintendo Switch. I had a central part already in the episode and it's going to appear a lot in the show. You see my collection of Nintendo stuff, you see the Switch games that are right there. And you see right up there, my pride enjoys the collector's edition, of course, of the Zelda Breath of the Wild. The really big Breath of the Wild game. You have the two statues of the main characters and the Master Sword in between. And as much as I love the art, I love the statues, I own the game. I bought it on release day for the Nintendo Wii U. I played it a little bit. 10, 12 hours or so, I think. But... It did not run super well on the Wii U, in my opinion. It was an open-world game. It is very true 
to the original concept of what is a Zelda game and everything like that. But I must confess, I was not blown away by Nintendo's efforts to make, uh, you know, Zelda Breath of the Wild thing going on. Uh, <laughs> shaking the screen there, I'm so sorry about that. I was not impressed. Zelda Breath of the Wild did not take my breath away. <laughs> it did not blow me away with its new style. I actually have not been a big fan of Nintendo's efforts to make 3D games. Uh, I had Ocarina of Time. It was cool back in the day when the Super Mario 64 came out, when Zelda uh, Ocarina of Time and its sequel Majora's Mask came out, when uh, there was like so many cool 3D games coming out. But 3D and me, especially with the Zelda series and adventure games, we did not connect super well. The open world concept has since then not connected me with me super well. So there's a lot of confessions going on in one big bundle here. So anyways, I later on got the Switch, about a year after that I think it was. Uh, no, not at all, but later. But I got the Zelda a year later for the Switch. I actually bought Switch with Mario Rabbit Kingdom and with Splatoon. So we have that dealt over with. I'm sorry about the confusion. Um, with all of that said, I got another Zelda, right? Because uh, I wanted to improve the quality of it. And I thought, hey, I want this game um, to be played through. It's a classic. Everyone is giving it 10s out of 10s. It's a masterpiece. And the big discussion was, which one is better, Zelda Breath of the Wild or Super Mario Odyssey? And even my girlfriend enjoyed so much of this game, and she is basically saying it's her favorite. We have the statues up on the wall, right? <laughs> or the, the shelf. So, it kind of felt hypocritical of me not to have played through the game. It even feels hypocritical to say that I don't like it particularly much. So I got it again, and I played it, this time actually going through a one of the four Divine Beasts. For the people who are playing this game or have played it, you, you will know what that means. But it's basically the four main objectives of the game before you can go and finish it. So um, you don't have to do it in that way, but I mean, the canon way of doing it, I suppose. Uh, and for some reason, I just kind of stopped. Um, I again did enjoy the... A little bit more this time, but I did not find that I was taken away by the game. I <laughs> I just could not finish it, right? And I had so many other games to play at the time for so many systems. A lot of time was taken up when the game was released for me to like work, you know? And I felt like there was more things I could do with the time when I did get the time to play video games. So naturally... I had a hiatus between 2018 and now. And up until yesterday, I had not finished Zelda Breath of the Wild. I have spoken out a lot about Breath of the Wild. I've talked about the fact that I think it's a great game. But having said that without actually having played through it is a little bit special. I usually try to at least go through a game or have enough on my feet so that I can talk about a game freely. And I will say it's definitely the, the first game ever that I bought statues for and collector's editions that I don't particularly fancy that much. 
Now, of course, one of the biggest issues I had with it was when it came to the Wii U, it didn't run that well. And I also felt like the controllers weren't super well for that. It took some ideas with the Wii U, but didn't utilize it the way I would like to do. And it felt like buttons were placed all over with the controller and it just didn't fit me uh, well at all. So when it came to the Switch, I thought, let's give it a good go this time. See if perhaps I was wrong. But I had a hiatus 2018, end of 2018, and until uh, this week. When my vacation started 2020, and I knew that this show was uh, in the making, I decided that the first confession segment has to be about this. It's my biggest confession, as far as I can think about. Uh, but I might have more coming up, so we'll see about that. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm not... I'm not promising that this might be the biggest one, but either way, it is true that I have now beaten the game, and it is good, it, but not much more than that. I am going to talk maybe a little bit more about Breath of the Wild in the next uh, episode, because um, every episode is going to be divided into parts, as you might have noticed, and I'm going to have a title on it, uh, not for the people listening in now on the podcast, but for the people watching me on the tube when I'm talking in the, in the vlog format. So then, in the summary, when I'm talking about the games that I've been playing since last, and, and what's going on at present, well then, Zelda Breath of the Wild is probably going to be there. And um, in the present segment that... Um, you are connected to this time um, even though it's beaten I just mentioned it quickly so with all of that said I, f I do feel like it was a huge deal for me having had that one for years right like three years or so laying around and not being beaten and I didn't know too much about it in general I tried to keep away from spoilers I watched the event Zeldathon each year where they go through all of the Zelda games, right? And I always skipped the Breath of the Wild one. I did not listen in on when my girlfriend played the Zelda Breath of the Wild one. Um, so I guess it was kind of important that it had to finally be happening. And I did feel quite bad about not playing through this one. But it is overrated. And that's the thing. When a game does not suit you and fits you it is very difficult to get through and it is like one of those experiences it's one of the major sellers on the system so i mean it was difficult not to you know engage in conversations around this game to engage yourself within the game and basically saying i personally don't think that the game is that great Alright, when you YouTube personalities are constantly making videos such as which one is better, which one is the biggest masterpiece that Nintendo produced for the Switch in these first years, is it the Super Mario Odyssey game or is it the Zelda Breath of the Wild, right? Uh, everyone, I think, felt like it was a very close call. Uh, Breath of the Wild was majorly on the small advantage side of being favored, right? And I was like, wow way off like super mario odyssey Woof. i love the mario games right um of course i'm biased here but i just couldn't see it um and perhaps i'm gonna do a, a segment about breath of the wild versus super mario odyssey as as time comes by but i do confess to all of you 
I had not played through Zelda Breath of the Wild. I bought it in two versions, had it for over three years, bought three statues for it, love a lot of things with and around it, and it's the savior almost of Nintendo because this is a cons console seller, right? But I had not played through it. That's my confession for you guys. Let's hit it on the road and keep going. Okay, so for this next segment then, um, we are going to look at a, a follow-up problem with what I was talking about when it came to the technology before, about the hand controllers and how you have a very hard time finding the correct things for you. So if you're a parent and you're buying hand controllers, you know what I think about that. Me personally had a hard time buying a hand controller for Nintendo Switch and ended up buying, well, there you go, quite a lot of them. So we are looking at another problem in technology that I feel like in the year 2020 we should be able to make a qualified decision for ourselves. Anyways, everybody has one of these at home, I suppose. This is a Samsung controller for my smart TV. Now buying a TV has always been interesting for most people because well, quite frankly, we spend a lot of time with the TV. If you so watch your favorite shows on the actual TV channels, or if you're connecting it through your fiber cable to pull it up on your Netflix or any of the other smart functions that you can do nowadays, um, they are widely more used for a lot of different things than it was when I started playing video games. If you look back at history again, such as uh, the Nintendo Entertainment System, you usually hooked up just an antenna cable and plugged it in there, played all these simple 8-bit kind of games, and if you're going way further back than that, I sometimes put up an antenna cable onto this square box TV of maybe, I don't know, 12 inch or so. Um, Luxor, could it have been? And played Amiga on a one button and a stick, kind of. I'm gonna put that one down there. So, where am I going with this? Basically, buying a smart TV and getting what you want it to do when it comes to gaming is a pain in the ass. Even getting the smart functions could technically be a pain in the ass. Because there's a dedicated section, I'm not even exaggerating here, there's a dedicated section on the site sweeclockers.com um, or if it's SE, it's a Swedish site and there's probably American versions as well that just basically does a buying guide every year when there's Black Friday about how to buy a smart TV, what all different types of specifications such as Hertz and um, connections are, what the smart functions are, um, how wide the TV is, what the different brands stand for and where they buy their display plates. Um, it's a mess, right? Uh, I, I don't understand why it has to be that complicated. And, and why I'm taking this up is because the Samsung works fine, right? I connect my systems and I have 4K on that one. I'm playing even my Xbox One X now, which is my latest purchase in consoles on 4K graphics in, in the Hertz that I want and all the resolution in the world, right? So with all that said, it works great. And the Samsung TV might be a little bit slow and have a weird menu system, but it works the way I intended. It was decently cheap for me when I bought it on the Black Friday, and it's a 65er, so it's pretty damn big. Um, that said, I've had trouble with that one too. The Wi-Fi, not the best. 
I'm gonna talk about Wi-Fi some other time because that's also bullshit. But what I'm saying is, it did what I wanted it to do. I got lucky though, because not that long before then I also bought a Philips TV. Now, I had to Google that Philips TV serial number to understand what the hell I'm supposed to do, because I plugged in my Wii U, an older system, to play some Donkey Kong, a classic platforming game. And what do you think happened? I was virtually the worst player in the world. And I thought, have I aged that badly? <laughs> like, I used to play Donkey Kong when I was a teenager, loved the Donkey Kong for the Super Nintendo, and I thought, well, maybe I'm just not that good at these types of games. It was so bad that I had a hard time even in the first world to complete the different stages, right? And I'm not even talking about collecting the different collectibles here, to the ones that are differ difficult um, to collect on each stage, the ones that they hide or the ones that are in like places that you're supposed to use a little bit of agility to get to uh, in the first world. I'm talking about just getting through from A to B and finishing the levels so you can progress. And that's because I had a huge delay. Now, you might be thinking, well, put on game mode. Sure, it's just the Philips TV had a picture mode for games, but that didn't fix any of the delays. Honestly, it did very little. Uh, changed the colors, I think. Um, there was a lot of other settings you could pull into, so I had to go into all of these menus, but I could never figure anything out. I had to Google the serial number, right, to understand what this TV meant. And then I realized that the serial numbers, in, in turn, they are different types of series of quality. Being some are low quality, some are medium, and then you have the premium brand, right? And of course, the price points are also the same. This is something I think should be a little bit easier to understand. Now, a seller isn't, of course, going to tell you this, but the guide will. If you want to study this, you can. I'm not saying it's impossible, it's just a pain in the butt, right? But if I buy a system, I at least expect even the lowest val like value one, uh, the lowest costing, the value TV, to be able to play a game functionally, right? I already have all the hardware. I'm not talking like uh, mixed connections here. I have an original Wii U connected through the HDMI, the, the cable that comes with the console, straight to the TV, and it still doesn't work. Now, one good thing with the Wii U uh, is that it has the screen, so you can try out the delay because you can play it without the TV. And then all of a sudden I realized, oh, well, this is how the game is supposed to be, right? Everything was fluent. So naturally I had to try all these kinds of weird things. There was other people who had already done settings, but of course not all of these settings were done with the mind of playing video games because they're multi-purpose. Again, kind of like with the controllers, they are all fine, right? But they have a specific purpose. Now in this case, I think it should be pretty easy to just have a couple of settings on your TV. There are quick settings, right? The game mode, as you spoke about uh, Mr. Undertaker, that one should be possible to put in, right? Yes, um, that's what I thought too. But here's the thing, as soon as you put the game mode on, it shuts down some of the functionality and could improve the TV, but it depends on the brand of the TV, what it is they do with their mode. On the Samsung one, I don't even need the game mode to make it function properly, but it does make it better because certain functionality that I actually do use now is only possible when I'm running game mode on the Samsung. 
specifically when I'm using it for the 4K capabilities to set which type of 4K I want when I'm playing on my Xbox One. Um, that's not to say that the Xbox One wouldn't run fine just without it, and to be honest, you don't even need the 4K. You can just play it full HD as well. And if you are, like most people I suppose, just happy playing video games, you don't really want to think about all of these things, right? You want the TV that you buy to function. And of course I'm not expecting that maybe my Philips, who was in a lower segment now, should be able to do all those fancy stuff, right? But here we're talking about just connecting a certain functionality. So anyways, take us back to the forum. I finally found one person who was talking about more gaming related things when it came to that specific Philips model. I was about to sell the TV before because, quite honestly, I thought that it was bad. Then I figured out that it's not about the game mode at all, it's about the computer compatibility mode, which is a setting with just one um, on and off switch. Very hidden, I don't even remember where I found it now that I think about it, and it's definitely not in any of the quick settings for picture or sound or functionality for the TV. You have to go into the main settings of the TV, which actually shuts down the picture and goes into setup mode of the TV. There, I had to go and struggle a lot just to find a way to play. Now, this does not only affect the Wii U, because I played one game there, right? But I like retro gaming. I'm, I'm standing here uh, and I have so many different systems already here, which would work just as terrible. And the one that I wanted to work on the Philips TV was my newly acquired one card PC uh, that I put in an old um, Nintendo shell to make it look nice, the Raspberry Pi, which is an emulation station for pretty much every system uh, prior to the N64. And, and that of course didn't work at all. It took so much time and effort just to get one basic functionality. The cruel irony of it all is, you would think that, okay, well just buy a better TV, right? I had a Swedex TV, a no-name brand pretty much, that produces TVs uh, south of Stockholm uh, for a very low price. They also do uh, computer screens, and uh, one which I'm standing and looking at right there. And <laughs> the Swedex TVs are known for being a little bit too cheap. They're just a frame and a picture pretty much, and the settings, you have to do so many settings just to get them to work. And I do agree, they are very wonky. Um, I am actually standing here with the Swedex controller. Sorry about that. This is the Swedex controller for my, not TV screen, this is for the computer one, but it's the same controller even if I had the TV version of the same TV. And as you can see, this is not normally what you have to calibrate just a screen, uh, but it does look very much like this one, so it might as well be a TV controller. Uh, the Swedex screen that cost 4000 uh, which was 2,000 less than the Philips and half of the price of the Samsung, ran it all perfectly fine. No problems. Like, it did everything that I wanted to, and, I, and, and listen to this, on basic settings, I had to do absolutely nothing, just hook it up the same way I said. And this is why I was so confused, because I've had three TVs recently, 
The Sweatix was the first one which worked perfectly fine, but it lacked the smart functionality which I wanted, and it did lack a, lo a lot of the 4K capabilities, so naturally, um, and sound, uh, sound bar uh, connecting with that one is a pain in the ass. But we're talking exclusive um, things here that might just be because of me. So don't exclude the Sweatex TV brand now just because I'm talking a little bit bad about certain elements of it. Now, with that said, I then upgraded to the Samsung for main TV. The Sweatex TV I shipped off home to my parents, which are very happy with the screen. It's good quality TV for them. Um, the, the Philips one was just an extra, an in-betweener there that we wanted to have as an extra to play games side by side because we are two people here who play video games on TVs at the same time. So I was shocked. Literally, I no one wanted to play specific games on that one unless of course the delay didn't matter, which in, in certain cases it doesn't when you're playing modern style games. They might even be so slow it doesn't matter at all. Or if it's a turn-based game, you, I mean, a, a little bit of delay, you won't even notice. Because, as I said, when I played Donkey Kong, me, I didn't notice. I thought I was bad, right? But it's because you don't necessarily see it, but you can definitely test it in many various ways. The, the thing I'm saying is, why is it so hard for me to buy a single TV for a certain a simple purpose, right? Of course, I could just skip all of this uh, and get myself Prime TVs, but let's be real here, we're not all made of money and already having so many different TVs to choose from, in this case three then, but well only two that I actually own, one of them was resold, so um, that is something I think is quite annoying. It should not be this way 2020. If I'm gonna get myself a TV, right, I should be able to know exactly what it is that I'm getting in a simplistic kind of way. It should be fairly certain that if I pay a certain amount I'm getting this and if I pay a little bit more I get this and if I pay even more I get this right in certain ways they have managed to do that because again the serial number right which some of you may or may not know but here's the fact if I want to pay 5,000 extra just to be sure that I'm getting good quality then we're talking quite a lot of money for something that I think should be something I should be able to take a stance for. If I want to buy a smaller TV like the Philips was, a 14-incher, um, for a, on a mid-range, and Philips is not a bad name brand either, Philips is big, right? It should at least, at the very least, connect my basic functionalities. If I of course wanted it to plug up to, let's say, the latest, coolest system, well, then maybe I need to check out if it actually does have the connection capabilities. Maybe I need a better cable, for instance, for my system. Or maybe uh, I need a specific TV that has quality components to get the best Wi-Fi so my streaming service would work. I'm okay with all of that. I'm just not okay with the fact that I don't know where the line goes and that they are not really telling you. And you have to do so much research to get certain basic functionalities to, to be there. Like again, when I played on my antenna back in the day, and it wasn't of course perfect, I'm not saying that, but I could play the way it was intended to be on pretty much any TV set. The difference was the quality of the picture maybe, or the size of the TV, how long it lasted. Which is, of course, if I buy something cheaper, 
it might break down. That's just the way it is, and I'm okay with that. But I am definitely not okay with the fact that I don't understand what my TV is capable of doing when I'm hooking it up to a multitude of systems that I'm paying a high amount of money for. And again, these are my hobbies, right? We, we pay money for everything differently. But it is quite important that the technology that you're using, if you're playing so many games, if you look at this again and see all these kinds of systems and all these kinds of games, you would at least expect to be able to hook them up into something. So of course, if I just buy one specific very expensive TV, I'm certain that it will work. Uh, and that is of course an option, but it's an option that I think is a little bit bullshit that I would have to do just because I don't understand the difference beforehand when I'm searching at the thousands of alternatives out there. Anyways, it's the same as with the controllers. And that, in my opinion, is technology when it's not doing you a favor. That's a bummer. Now, I'm gonna take you down to memory lane, so stick around. So, I am once again a little bit closer, uh, hopefully with a little bit of better uh, quality as well. And for this segment, I am getting in a little bit closer and going to sit here um, reminiscing a little bit. We are in the memory uh, segment. And I wanted to take a small part of the intro of this one to explain a little bit as well. So in this case, memory segment is one of the parts that I thought most about when it came to um, the new concept. Basically, what is it that people don't do when it comes to gaming and entertainment? What is it that matters the most to me when I l like things about games or when I, uh, you know, speak about games? Why I did the things that I did, like um, well, who I'm speaking to daily. Um, that's when I realized that memories about stuff is our way of sharing stories. Is uh, It's changing. And video games is a very big part of every day of my life, extremely big one. Um, entertainment in general is very big. I love movies and everything that you could call crap culture, I suppose. And um, thus, I wanted to dedicate a lot of time to subjects that um, most notably feels like... <laughs> I, wa I want everything to be the personal in some kind of way. Most of the segments up until uh, the point of, the, of this in this episode is of course things that are personal to me in the way that I'm sharing about things that I think I'm, I'm pretty good at explaining or thinking about. But th this part that's coming now isn't anything that's that much analytical and it could be anyone's memories really. Um, and that's the thing, I want more segments that are going to be about things like this about memories, about experiences, and hear a little bit about maybe what other people have had specific experiences with that, that just, you know, th those things that are magical or shapes your opinion about something. Um, and I think that we all have quite a lot of those if we dig deep. And um, I'm going to share and, and do that to try and explain a little bit why I'm sitting here putting so much time and effort into these things throughout these historic uh, memory moments with you guys. So 
for the ones who actually follow my other show and the stream, you know that I'm playing quite a lot of card games. Um, this all started with, of course, Magic the Gathering, but I did play a lot of regular cards as well, and um, that's been coming back to me throughout the years, playing different types of card games. Um, but, but the one, I guess, that shaped the most of the time for me is, you know, the, the, the Magic the Gathering period of time where that is the more modern kind of card game that we're seeing most being produced uh, when someone speaks about card games, especially when it comes to the digital versions, we think about the era of Magic the Gathering as the forefather of that and not the actual 52 card deck that are used for, you know, poker, um, bridge, those kinds of things. But um, for me, that was the first real big one, and um, I think it shaped a lot of the experiences and all of the games that I've been playing f since then. Um, Hearthstone was the big one for me. Uh, put down a lot of time on the stream playing Hearthstone from the perspective of a previous Magic player, and not one that's like, you know, I never competed in Magic, because when, when Magic was at the peak, uh, I was still pretty young. Uh, I could have competed, I suppose, but it was also a very expensive game. You had to kind of be there having the cards from the get-go and just keep collecting, right? Or buy up the, the really expensive one, and I wasn't ready to do that or commit. I honestly don't believe that I was that good at the specific things that came with Magic, but I, I do think that my analytical mind shaped a lot of things when it came to how I per perceived the card game and how I looked at I guess physical games, uh, board games, uh, card games, and so it's always been there with me. Uh, and Hearthstone was the big one where it was popularized. It was quicker. It was strong. And I actually did compete a little bit about uh, when it came to that game. And competing in Hearthstone was a pain in the ass. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> and um, I didn't compete on any high levels. Didn't succeed in very many things. But I did take pride in my arena, 12 winners. Um, I do think that I'm pretty good at the spontaneous kind of choosing kinds of card gaming when it, when it comes to the, making the interesting choices and seeing patterns of what is good when it comes to a certain card and so on. But let's not develop too much about card games and my views on them. Instead, we're going back to memories because, as I said, Magic was the first one. And how did I really get into magic is actually quite a, a fun moment. I, I, I guess you could say it's magical moment. Uh, <laughs> I still have one very specific card that I hold dearly to me. Um, I'll come back to that one soon. But here's the thing. My brother played a lot of games before me. He was the one who got the first computer. He was the one who got many things. And so... I joined in on the fun, we played on the same consoles, we played on the same computer, but there was a lot of things I of course did not take part of and I was younger, so at the time when Magic was really popular and was released, we're talking 5th, um, 6th year in school. English was even a big problem for me, so I mean I could even thank Magic for expanding my vocabulary when it comes to the English language. Uh, I guess. A lot of teenagers learn from maybe TV shows, games, or whatever. So that's one of the big things for me. But um, I remember 
two specific moments and one of them is more uh, you know deciding for me than the other the first one was when i saw how many times you could keep playing the same card game when my brother and one friend that he had over uh, in in his room and they were playing on the on the carpet actually until they actually um, actually actually <laughs> sorry until they got a table in there and I saw all these cool pictures and I saw the, like the battles that I could just imagine like the moves that you could make even if I didn't understand what was going on I was just baffled by the sheer cool uh, aspect of that and it wasn't just you know like how you see other games clashing like if you play the games where things clash and you you thought that was super cool because you know you were a kid it was more like there was so many aspects to it you had the personality in each of the cards you had the different colors that was so thematic you had the the clash of course uh you had the power of the brain and the maneuvers you could do there was just so many things that uh, alerted me with the game just by watching it in that room so many times um and that was number one. The other and the bigger memory that's just gonna shape everything. That's the first time I actually tried to play the game. Because you see, uh, I remember it was a day when a friend of my brother's had come over and I heard it. I was sitting in my room, right, with the door closed. Um, I had a room for on the far edge of our house. Um, and I was sitting there with closed door, but I did hear someone coming in. I did hear that my parents invited them because my brother was supposed to be coming home pretty soon. He was um, most likely doing soccer practice or something like that. <clears throat> and we had this friend on the street, uh, Gustav was his name, is his name still, um, who hung around. I mean, he came dropping by and my brother and he, they used to do a lot of different things and have a lot of fun. So, um, I heard that he was there and they were, he was preparing and the, I guess my brother had prepared as well for playing something. Uh, I didn't pay too much attention to it at that uh, first instance, but, um, this is a little time after I knew about magic. So at that time, you know, your attention span isn't the best, so I had gotten away from it for a little while, and I had it only in the back of my head. Um, I did know that at some point I am going to play Magic, that's just how it is. Like most things when it came to games already back then, I knew that it's gonna happen at some point. Uh, but it, uh, <clears throat> it happened this night, so shortly thereafter, for some reason, I went out into the kitchen and he was waiting for my brother sitting at our kitchen table sorting out his cards and I saw that he was, um, you know, just looking at one specific deck of cards and in Magic you create decks of cards of at least 60 cards whereas you have lands to play out different cards and then you're trying to get your opponent down to zero health and that's the basic gist of it, but there's so much more. Um, then I guess he was reviewing the 60 cards then in his deck and also the, his collection to see what you can do. And um, I suggested the, that I could take a look at the, at the game's cards. I don't know why. but And he usually was very friendly when it came to these things. A very fun kind of guy that uh, didn't mind uh, you know, trolling around as we say now in the modern internet era. Um, and so, me being six years younger, it wasn't a big problem. Um, but he even suggested at that time, and it was very special to me to to get to try 
magic. <laughs> and he suggested that he will teach me. It's not difficult. Because I said, I don't know anything about this and I don't think I can do it, right? But he taught me and it was basically him playing against himself through me. But that in itself was a memory that just shaped everything because I thought it was so freaking cool. And I got to play red. Um, I had this completely useless orc uh, that I played out and that I thought was so cool, but I didn't understand why he, he got scrapped upon. And at this point, magic was in its first steps, right? So everyone was just trying out different types of cards for no apparent reason, I suppose. So there was these very, uh, not expensive in cost, in, in money cost, but m many expensive cards on the board that didn't do that much or at least we didn't understand how to utilize them in some kind of combination but it was fun um at that time i understood very little but <laughs> i had so so much fun and seeing all these cool pictures already then um that i just nagged and nagged and nagged every single day from then on about getting a deck of cards and i know that this moment was what actually you know got my dad to uh, have to buy me the starter deck. I chose green because green had all these like mammoths and animals, lions, tigers, but not like the tip, yeah, well, somewhat typical, but these fantastic ones. Like it was just magical. And green is still one of my favorite colors when it comes to card games. Um, and I kept, I got one of the cards. Uh, and I kept it. It was a useless card. And I think he realized that too at that time. And he had even written on it. And I still have that dotted uh, bullet uh, point pen scribbles on a card that makes it completely useless. Because you can't even use it then. But And it has a funny message in Swedish on it and everything. It's like completely stupid. And But I, it makes me laugh every time I see it. And it takes me back to the day when the first time I set my eyes on magic in the kitchen on a wood table, light wood table, um, with some oil, you know, oil treatment on it. Uh, we had removed the um, roller uh, from the table and we played two matches of magic. I lost both and had so much fun. <clears throat> and I'm sharing this because... It has shaped my life almost, <laughs> I guess you could say. Magic started a trend of me playing card games. Um, I was at the very top 12 years old at that time. <clears throat> I'm now 30 and I'm still playing card games. Legend of Runeterra is out now. Uh, that's the latest one I, I've been dabbling into. I'm not so fond of the competition in that one as I, either, as I was the same with Hearthstone. But I wanted the both of those two to be really great. And I'm always investigating these card games like Magic, like Hearthstone, Shadowers, uh, you name it in Runeterra now, Gwent from the Witcher series. And um, it's, it's just so much fun to know that it all comes back to this little memory when I was a kid of 12 years old. And there's this thing that pops up every now and then on meme sites and, and funny sites <laughs> that says um, it's like an anti-drug message, I suppose you could say. And it says, teach your kids to play Magic the Gathering, then they will, will stay off drugs but they, because they won't have any money for drugs after that. Because they will spend all their cards, card, or all their money on their cards and the cards are so expensive. So... That's a life lesson taught 
teach your kids to play card games because they won't do drugs after that. And I hope that you enjoyed listening to me reminiscing about this specific memory. And I'm taking the chance here as well in case of the rare um, situation that maybe Gustav from our street would uh, listen in on this. Thank you for showing me uh, how to play Magic, even though it most likely was quite a bad lesson, but it was um, very influential for me and it shaped a lot. And um, it's just very uh, nice, it's a fond memory for me. Uh, and uh, I hope that you guys also have a lot of these things and maybe me telling you a story about this makes you think back about something that you were spending a lot of time with today or something that you prefer or something you like very much to do still um, or at least have put a lot of time and effort into in your life um, that you then feel the same with that there's like this key moment or a moment maybe or some trigger throughout your life that just made that thing happen um, that's magical to you. And I'm gonna keep pulling out of my <laughs> life, my history bag, to see if I can find more of these magical moments. Uh, I think I have at least a handful of them that I can share with you to at least explain why it looks like this behind me, right? <laughs> that's that's uh, enough for that for now. So let's wrap this episode up, and I hope that you've enjoyed it so far. Okay, that was a jam-packed episode, I would say. We have done a lot on <laughs> one episode already. Uh, there are still a couple more uh, rabbits to pull out of the hat, um, which might pop up in the show if the timing is right, if the need for it is, if you guys also feel like um, there are specific segments that you would like to see, then maybe they are already in the making. But I would also like to end uh, today's episode by um, saying that you guys can affect it. I mean, I want discussions if I can. If things like uh, the rants that I talked about in this episode somewhat uh, relates to something that you think a lot about, if the rants... Um, or something you don't agree with, uh, let me know. Uh, I would like to hear as much as possible about the topics that I put up. If you want more or less of something, you can share that. Just um, see that in the description you have everything that you need. You have the Instagram and Twitter, you have the options to watch this on the YouTube, of course, or on the Spotify, depending on which one you're choosing, or any of your podcasts, really. Um, you have all of the deets in the description below. And um, you have my email, the rickishrants email at gmail.com. And I think that with all of those sources, uh, you can find the way that you want to partake in the upcoming episodes. And um, we are going to focus even more heavily on the content in the upcoming ones. But in this one, as I said previously, I wanted as much as possible to be presented as well. And I hope that it came out pretty clear what some of the segments are supposed to be about and that it's enlightened your day a little bit in maybe all of them or maybe a couple of them either way um that's the you know the, the main point of it i certainly had a lot of fun <laughs> talking very much about different things and there's as i said more to come about different things as well so that's it's quite exciting to see uh <laughs> what is up for 
you know the upcoming uh, episodes to see if perhaps this is something that will hit it off with people and I, I hope it will considering that it's quite fun to talk a lot about these kinds of things to you guys um, also be sure I said it in my trailers but I, I think it needs a spotlight here as well be sure to check out the official soundtrack that you heard in the little mini intro sequence that you saw because um, Dwayne Johnson, <laughs> Dan Johnson's music is really really cool and uh, I am trying to have as much of a collaboration as possible with Dan so that we can get um, more songs and the, the content to be on this show and presented in this show and I, I also hope that a lot of you guys um, you know if you have something you can always ask me and talk to me and collaborate because that will be really really cool uh, with that said I'm like br browsing down to see where we're at in this at this point and I think I think we're at the wrap uh, for everybody who has been watching me uh, also please let me know if there is something specific that you think that is better or worse and for all of you who are listening to me uh, do give a lot of feedback about the audio quality because that is of course the most important factor for that I'm also hoping that the vlog pod format is something that you guys can reflect upon and share with me uh, as some of you have already done a little bit about when it came with the trailers but now when you finally uh, went through this in whatever way you did just um, give me a little shout out and feedback and it will be very highly appreciated now with all of that said I'm putting an end to this in the old-fashioned kind of way that I'm used to doing it um, standing up at this point um, the undertaker is out <laughs>